Today is Thursday, November 1st, and on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with manuscripts about their new venture and how they're reimagining the way we read our Bible. And maybe a Star Wars reference or two. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in church creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm Nick Goodner. And I'm Ross Montgomery. And today's show is sponsored by SundaySocial.tv. Sunday Social creates social media graphics for churches for $9 a month. You get at least one new social media graphic each day that will help your church reach more people and increase engagement on social media. They're beautifully designed and scheduled, so each day's graphic is the perfect thing to post. You'll get more likes, more comments, more retweets, and more shares. Each image comes in four different formats for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as blank versions so you can add your own custom text and your own personal graphics. $9 a month gets you downloads for instant access. Sign up today at sundaysocial.tv. Ross, what is going on this week with you? This week with me is just trying to play catch up with Stranger Things 2 with three children. So you're, you're, you're attempting the impossible, is that correct? Yes, attempting the impossible of trying to binge watch a show, but not being able to because children. Okay, so as of right now, on the day of this recording, where are you at? Uh, I We have just finished episode five. My wife and I are sticking to watching it together. So it's one of those things that makes our, our marriage very healthy. <laughs> oh, see, me and my wife, we, we don't have any kids, but we powered through Saturday. We just went through the complete entire season, and um, it was great. Actually, uh, to be honest with you, I thought that I was going to come into this podcast recording and be waiting on, um, and you were going to be waiting on me to catch up. And it's kind of weird to, to have this dynamic where I'm waiting on you, because I know all these things, and um, I don't want to spoil them for you or any of our listeners who have been living under a rock for some <laughs> reason. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm personally, I'm really excited because this show, I mean, I, I, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Ross, I'm gonna get, get real right now. Get real, real, get real, do it. I wasn't sold on the stranger things hype last season. Hmm. I, I watched it probably eight months after it came out and I was like, you know, this is not, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like it, but watching this season, I was like, you know what? I get the hype. I am, I get this. I can get with this. And it has been absolutely phenomenal because i i feel like i enjoyed it this round whereas before i could 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 have cared less but um it was good it was a good show and uh, it was a very great season and i hope that next week you'll be caught up and we'll be able to talk more about that it is and i think we can talk a little bit more about stranger things as a whole uh with our trending which is up next Ooh, perfect segue Welcome to our trending where each week we gather a few different articles and news stories that are impacting churches and they're impacting culture and creators and we get get together and discuss them. Here is what is trending. Well, like we were just talking about is Stranger Things this uh, on, um, gotta even remember what month it is, October 27th, Netflix drops season two to Stranger Things. And um, man, I, you know, I'm like I said, only about five episodes into it and i feel like it just picked up where season one left off there was just some great energy they're like they didn't even really spend any time trying to do any kind of catch up you know hey here's where we're at it's just you should have done your rewatch by now 
now we're getting right into things. And that's always a great thing for a show. And I'm going to stop right here. Just stop right here. If you have not got up to season, if you haven't got up to episode five. Spoiler warning. Spoiler. Yeah, no, spoiler alert. Not not a warning. We're about to spoil some <laughs> stuff for you. Because I really want to talk about this. You're up to season five, or you're up to season. I keep calling it season. It's an episode. <laughs> We're up to episode five. So, um, you know, if you haven't seen past episode five, then, yeah, spoiler alert. Just, just spoiler skip alert. ahead a little bit. Yeah, and if and to be honest with you, if you haven't seen it by the time this episode releases, oh, I'll be all Friday, caught up by the end of this. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you, I, I doubt that you're even a true fan and you really care, so mm. that's just my personal take on your love for Stranger Things. Um, you know, let God check your heart. But anyway, yeah, just really, just pray and lean into that about your Stranger Things. Yes, definitely. Um, so let's 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 dissect episode one through five real quick, Ross. Okay. Um, start out the episode. Episode one, we'll start with episode one, you know, we'll go in chronological order. What do you think about the weird um, stint? I guess it's in Chicago. It looks like Chicago. Maybe and I think York. it was Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Boom. See, I don't know my northeastern cities, I guess. Well, um, I think it said Philadelphia at the beginning. That's ridiculous. How it would literally <laughs> said it on the text. Oh, okay. So I was supposed to read. Oh, I thought yeah. I was watching. I thought I was watching a TV show. I thought I was supposed to get. It was on the work. screen and it said oh. Philadelphia. Perfect. Now I feel like an idiot, but that's okay. <laughs> Philadelphia, we're the home of the Eagles. Um, so we're in Philadelphia, and we start off, and we're following this ragtag group of teenagers. And we find out while following the ragtag group of teenagers that somebody else has powers in the world, and she has a tattoo that says zero zero. Spoiler alert: eight. And what did you, you did you catch it? But did you catch what happened when she used her powers? Yes, it didn't really happen. Well, it only affected one person. Um, what do you think? What do you think that? Do you think they're going to follow that story? Maybe in because they haven't really done anything else with it in the first five episodes. Well, I, and I don't know how many people kind of pay attention to um, the administrative things of Stranger Things and Netflix, but they have been approved through like season four so far. So I think they are really trying to set up some future things. Again, I have at this point, by the time this airs, I will probably be caught up and, and know a little bit more of how that might or might not uh, be brought back into the story, which again, it has um, kind of briefly made a connection by episode five. And um, I think they're just trying to set up some other stories. Cause honestly, part of me coming into season two, I was like, man, what are they going to tell? Like, you know, a bunch of the promos had this shadow monster and you're like, what is that about? But I, th I think they did an incredible job of, of really kind of going into more of what the upside down is, you know, what's going on there versus how, the doctors and scientists are trying to handle it. And um, I think that's a really cool uh, way that they direction they've gone with it and what's going on with Will. And um, I think it's just going to be an incredible deep story that's just going to continue. And they're going to be able to just peel back these layers of different things going on um, with the upside down and with uh, this side of things. So I'm very excited to see how that ties in the, the first kind of scene, the first thing going on. Um, because later on, and yes, we've already given you the spoiler warning. So if you're listening to this and haven't watched it by this point, this is on you. Um, we find out that Eleven meets her mother and f sees into the whole origin of Eleven. And we see that this potentially this zero zero eight subject is in the same room with Eleven at some point. Um, 
And so I think that's really, really cool um, just to kind of see how this relationship and, and how these other test subjects are out in the world. And, you know, obviously they got away from the scientists and they're doing other things or maybe they're being used by scientists for not so flattering things to, you know, for the, the people that want the power are using them for their own purposes. So it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. What's interesting for me right now, and this is, you know, two things I'll say. First, um, how much Netflix has changed our culture, where we've literally, you know, you watch an entire season at once. You don't talk, you don't watch an episode at once. You watch an entire season. So, like, I'm listening to you talk right now, and I've already seen the entire season. I don't want to spoil anything for you, which is the second thing, which is, this is very hard. Um, And it's very interesting to hear you talk, because you're, like, you're just getting up to, like, the climax part of everything. Because of how these seasons are built to be kind of their own story. And it's actually a really a nine hour long story. Yeah, because versus... they pick up a year after. Right. And it's really, I, I think that, you know, I, this is fun. It's a little bit fun because you're going to have so many different thoughts after you see the rest. But and I'm, I'm just trying not to give anything away with any of, you know, any audio clues for you. But I, I can tell you right now. <laughs> I think you're going to have a little, few different thoughts about Eleven and how her story arcs and stuff okay. next week. Moving on, the next trending topic we have for today is the state of Creative Church. Now, for those of you that are unaware, Creative Church turned two over the weekend. Um, we uh, we did this last year, State of Creative Church, and it, people liked it, so we went ahead and did it this year as well. And what this is essentially is we're just future casting. We're giving you some ideas and some things that are we're, we're working on and developing, and so that you're kind of in the loop and you know what we're working towards for this next year. So I'm going to go through real quick and kind of give you what I, I did a live video this morning. If you watch that, it's kind of a recap of what I did there. So so first thing is events. Uh, if you were here in Orlando a few weeks ago, then you know that we had our first creative huddle and creative huddle is a one day conference that we gather local church creatives and we deal with basically the four different or three different relationships that I think every creative kind of has to deal with. And that's the relationship with their leader, the relationship with themselves and the relationship with their team. And um, it was a huge hit and people loved it. And so we've added four to six events Um in next year's schedule, we're we're kind of confirming the last two right now, but we know four, and those will be announced in January. And um, they're going to be uh, now, Ross. You weren't able to come to the creative huddle, but I'll tell you this: they're going to be fantastic. Great, I'm excited. Yes, and we're working on getting all those nailed down, and we'll be releasing, especially with next. locations that that are helpful to to have the most people be there. Right. It can be hard to travel, but yeah, being strategic about that is super important. I know that's something that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we're going to be introducing something called Creative Church Nights, which is going to be a team night that will be hosted by us, and it'll take, take place at night. Duh. And uh, we're going to have worship, we're going to have guest speakers, and we're going to do games more. It'll just be like a pep rally type of scenario where we come together, and it'll be a lot of fun. And then last but not least, we're going to be doing Hangouts, which will be hosted by different churches and different different church um, creative leaders and different creators. And um, you'll be able to host that by yourself. We won't have to come or anything like creative huddles or creative church nights. Um, and those are going to be a lot of fun. And we're working on, we're working on really getting all the event stuff scheduled and put together and everything like a rough timeline, people to be able to buy tickets and know the event locations and everything. We're, lo- we're working to get that done by January 1st. And we're super excited about all that. The next thing that we're lining up here the next the next move that we're making is our content and uh if you're listening to this podcast then welcome to one of our first introductions of new content 
Um, we're making some content changes. We're going to be moving away from resourcing um, creators. And Ross, you and I have kind of talked a little bit about this, but the resourcing space is not claustrophobic. Oversaturated. Just, oh, well, oversaturated is another good word. It's 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 been taken care of. Yeah. You know, like there are so many great companies oh, out there. Oh, and they're great. Not not at all trying to knock no. on any quality because they are all they all put the best quality into what they're doing. And it's their gift and their calling and Absolutely. their purpose. And over the past a year, we've been evaluating our purpose and what that is with us here at Creative Church. And we knew that it wasn't going to be resourcing because I'm not uh, I'm not a teacher by any means. But man, what I can do, I can tell some people's stories. And uh, <laughs> I love talking to people and I love being able to create stuff for people. So we're going to be focusing on that versus doing resources. We're going to do behind the scenes. We're going to do interviews. We're going to do thought pieces and uh, we're going to really be creating our own creative church content and that means we're going to be making some videos uh we're going to be working on podcasts that's that's what's, plural. Was that plural oh that was plural huh that was plural i can't i don't know ross can we talk about the other podcast yet i don't I, know i don't know there's still some development going on there's but, still some um, development yeah but know that that it is going to be we want it to sh- we want you to share it with not just creators but with all of your friends we hope it's a a very um not generic, but wide reaching podcast. And, uh, we hope that it'll be something that it's not just for creatives, but it, it, it does have some, um, talk about the creativity behind certain things. If, if I can say it that way. Yes. Well, th- th- what that was, was Ross being as vague as humanly possible. Yep. And <laughs> oh, but be looking, I mean, seriously, but be looking but yeah, for the looking out for that yeah, yeah. announcement on that. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited about the development and, and the direction it's going. Yeah, and then the other podcast is, of course, our podcast right now, which you know we'll be doing weekly. And uh, and you know, if you listen to the podcast preview, which go back, and if you haven't yet, go listen to the podcast preview because that'll give you a little bit more, you know, inside knowledge on what the heck is going on here. Um, so go do that. And we'll also be doing some video. And the last but not least, and this is something Lid and I, which Lid's my wife, and she's also the one, you know, the co-creator of Creative Church. We've been talking about now for two years, and it's scary to say out loud because I don't want to promise anything but at the same time it's getting it's looking more viable and that is we're looking at creating either a digital or printed magazine which would be actual issues that we would actually put out for creative church and we'd be telling people stories and doing behind the scenes and all that other good stuff that we're doing on the website but we'd be doing it in kind of a print form and the reason why we want to do this is we want something that lasts you know the internet kind of has this weird feeling that, you know, it's old if it's been up for a week or two. Um, <laughs> Literally a week or two. So the magazine that we're developing is something that we believe it's going to actually last. Um, last but not least for the state of Creative Church um, is Connections. We're actually going to be working to widen our reach as a community. Um, we've been interviewing and surveying people for the past month and a half now. We realized that there was a huge part of our audience that was not being represented. And that audience was a group of Christian creators. Now, these are creators that they don't technically work for a church. They don't work for churches, They but they are Christian. They do follow us. And it um, doesn't have to be a ministry or church setting. They could just be right. maybe have their own business or work in another creative um outlet right but they loved following us and they love what we did for churches and you know um i was talking to many of them and they were like you know i feel like you know you don't really you don't really lean into what we're doing and i'm like you know what you're absolutely right and i think if we have these people in our community we got to widen that circle and make this thing bigger so we can you know make sure that they're represented as well so we're going to be focusing our target demographic 
to include Christian creators and church creatives. And um, we're actually even changing up the tagline, making one small language change to actually help us kind of solidified this and that is instead of bringing creatives together we're bringing creators together and uh, that's kind of our first step into making this language change and then we're going to be working on content that kind of helps both parties and uh, we believe in this community we believe this community it's grown phenomenally over the past two years and we're excited for where it's going we know we always say this is this is a god dream and um we're looking forward to what is next with Creative Church, and we're looking forward to bringing more creatives, more creators uh, together. So that is that. That concludes the state of Creative Church and where we're at, and that also wraps up our trending. Up next is our interview with Manuscripts. Manuscripts believes the Bible doesn't have to be intimidating. They were inspired by the way Scripture was originally written by individual authors with diverse points of view. Manuscripts is printing books of the Bible in easy-to-read volumes that are beautiful and small enough to place in your pocket. These pocket-sized books are designed to enhance the reading experience. Each gospel is formatted like a traditional book. The text is arranged in one column, without verse, numbers, or notes. These books are presented in the New American Standard Bible, a translation widely respected for its word-for-word accuracy of Jesus' words that are printed in red and placed in their own paragraphs for emphasis. I personally love this idea and enjoyed sitting down with Jesse, Gio, and Jordan to talk more about their story. Starting with you, Jordan, and then I'll move on down the line. But can I get um, everyone's kind of uh, your background, where you you know started out? Just a brief, you know, about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Jordan Donaldson. I currently live in Brooklyn, New York, but I spent most of my life in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I was raised in like a very Assemblies of God family and um, have had just like a, a great faith walk that has had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of it is centered around the Bible um, and my relationship with the Bible. And I know that as I, um, at least in like the spiritual side of my life, that when I'm most healthy with my scripture reading is when I'm most healthy in my spiritual life in general. Um, so that's probably my background of what attracted me so much to like Geo's idea here. My name is Jesse Tyler. I'm from New Jersey, uh, but moved to Springfield, Missouri right after high school. I grew up in church and grew up really involved in church. I was a worship leader and did all the creative stuff, um, design, photography, video um, for churches that I went to and was involved in. Uh, then I moved to Missouri um, and switched my focus more to a t-shirt company that I was running um, that I had started called Take Heart Apparel. Um, and I ended up doing that for a handful of years until I retired that to ride a bike across America. Um, I did that with Geo, and I also did Take Heart, the clothing company with Geo. Um, but we rode a bike across America to raise money for a women's empowerment program in Ethiopia. And that was another campaign where, yeah, we were riding our bikes across America, but we also did everything creatively. We created the campaign, managed video design, built our own website, did all of that sort of stuff. Then after Ride for Cora, we switched to doing freelance creative work um, where we had taken all this experience from running these campaigns and this t-shirt company where we knew from top to bottom how to run these things and how to create good creative presences. Um, we switched to doing that for other people and then we're kind of 
doing the reverse again, where we're switching to focusing on manuscripts and again, running that sort of thing from top to bottom. And the thing that kind of unites it all is um, things that have a social purpose. Um, we have virtually no interest at all in um, businesses just for being profitable or making money. Um, and historically, we've made no money at all doing any of the projects <laughs> we've done. Uh, in fact, they've just cost us a lot. But it's always been about how do we create a business that's sustainable, um, but its ultimate purpose is to serve the needs of others and to improve um, the lives of others. My name is Giancarlo Ospina. I'm from Fort Myers, Florida. <sighs> I moved to Springfield a couple years after I graduated high school. I did a few years of college in Florida and a few years um, or a couple years here in Missouri as well, in Springfield, Missouri. Um, a lot of my story is pretty similar to Jesse's, um, especially within the last five years because we've been attached by the hip the entire time. Um, but uh, yeah, in high school, I was involved in church. I grew up uh, in Assemblies of God. Um, pretty much my entire life. There was a brief moment, I guess, in there um, where we went to a Catholic church until I was five, um, but pretty much raised in Assemblies of God, um, was really involved as a youth leader, um, and then uh, kind of straight away from church for a long time. Um, and since I've been uh, both very involved and very not involved, just <laughs> um, kind of going through a learning process, I guess. Um, but the last few years, uh, the most notable things would be Take Heart Apparel, like Jesse went over, um, and Ride for Cora. Um, and Ride for Cora meant a lot to me for a lot of reasons. Um, one being that I actually worked for that nonprofit that we supported for about a year, um, helping manage their brand. Uh, so, I was familiar with the organization, had been to Ethiopia once before with that organization to see the work that they were doing. Um, it's a women's empowerment program where they take uh, women suffering from leprosy or HIV AIDS and they, uh, they teach them how to run their own business and they figure out what skills they already have and how to use them to be successful. Um, and so kind of Jesse and I always wanted to do a long distance ride. Jesse proposed the idea of doing for the for that charity, and I was super excited at that point. Um, and so that was kind of like the last big thing we did. We did um, most recently we did All True, which is our agency. Um, that's the work that Jesse was talking about that we do for other clients, um, and that's gone well as well, just because um, of the projects we've done prior to the agency. Uh, it kind of set the groundwork. It's an example for what we could do, and like Jesse said, manuscripts is kind of another another one of those take heart apparel, ride for Cora type projects uh, where we take all of our skills and resources and, and we get all of our friends together to do something that we really believe uh, is important. Awesome. And for those that don't know what a, what manuscripts is, could you guys explain that real quick? Manuscripts is a company working to publish the Bible in a way that makes it more approachable and easier to read. Uh, our approach right now is to publish the books of the Bible in individual volumes, um, starting with the Gospels, and they're pocket-sized and they're formatted, uh, what you might call reader style, um, without footnotes or verse numbers. And 
um, all in one column with easy to read text. And um, what prompted you guys to, I know you said earlier that it was a matter of, you know, wanting to create something physical, uh, but what, what, what kind of was, I mean, we're all Christians here. What, what, uh, was there like some mystical calling that you all felt to, uh, you know, do this or did it just kind of happen? I mean, what led you to go in and want to, um, update how the user reads the Bible? Yeah. Um, this is Gio. It was kind of, it's kind of a mix of things. I'd say it was even a little bit more practical than like this, like mystical thing. Um, I was in a new Testament course at Missouri state university. Um, and when you take, when you take a religion course at a secular college, um, there's a lot of limitations in how they can teach. Um, so instead of going into anything prophetic, they mainly focus on historical Bible, historical teachings. Um, and it was kind of cool cause we got to go through and learn about how the Bible went through all of these, uh, innovations or user experience changes in the past. Uh, from like, you know, determining what the canonical Bible is, you know, what books will make it in to the printing press, having all of the books in one place and eventually adding verse numbers and commentaries. And these were all really amazing things. Um, but while I was taking this course, as with any course, the Bible just kind of became like a textbook to me. Uh, and I found myself saying like, man, why do I have to carry this entire thing around when I'm only studying Mark right now? Um, and it's kind of a chore and I kind of felt like it might be the same for a lot of people who aren't in college courses and aren't forced to read the Bible, but know they have to. Um, and so that's kind of where the idea started at the time I was doing, uh, web design as a, uh, freelance, uh, gig. It was just before ride for Cora. And so that's how I was making money while going to college. Um, and so to me, user experience was everything. That's all I thought about. Um, and so with the books of the Bible, I just thought, you know, it, it didn't originally exist this way. Um, it existed as individual volumes. That's how people consumed it. That's how they read it. Um, now we have the internet. That was the, the latest innovation, right? Um, and the internet allows us to kind of supplement all of those parts in the Bible that are a little bit distracting for us. Um, the verse numbers and the commentaries. If you have questions, you can Google it. If you want to hear someone's opinion or multiple, um, you can go on Logos or, you know, Blue Letter Bible. And so all of those, those things are already accessible and ready for you. Um, I just thought, let's just go back to the past. Let's print these individually. Let's focus on the reading experience itself. Um, and that's kind of how we came up with the name Manuscripts. Uh, what kind of liberties are you guys taking whenever you're reformatting the Bible? So I wouldn't say so much that we're taking many liberties, but the things that we're doing that are unique is removing the verses, um, which makes it feel much more like you're reading a novel over like you're reading a textbook. The second thing we're really doing is removing all footnotes. We, in a modern day, can find as much references as we want to scripture. Um, and we don't necessarily think that those references fit best at the bottom of the page. And then the third thing specific with these gospel sets is we've not only isolated Jesus's words as red letter text, but we've also isolated them as unique line breaks. So his words sit in their own paragraph to 
just again emphasize the importance of what Jesus said during his ministry. That's when it comes to formatting the words what we've taken liberties with. As far as the books themselves, they're printed instead of the the classic two-column newspaper style that you see in most Bibles. They're formatted, again, just like a novel would be formatted with each page only one column. We increased the page thickness so you don't have that same thin paper feeling that stick together and feel like they can rip that you get with a typical Bible. It's larger type type um, face so that it's easier to read. And then the books themselves are printed with like a, a linen cover that is so far rather durable and feels really nice to the touch with rounded corners that fit really easily into your pocket and don't fray. Um, so that's sort of the, the details that make what, what we're printing here different than a track of gospel that you might, or like a track of John that you might have seen handed out at church before. What, um, are you guys making any content, content changes at all? No. Um, one change that was there was, uh, with the NASB, the translation we used, um, typically in the new Testament, um, what they'll do is put, uh, direct quotes from the old Testament into like all caps and we did remove that. Um, and the purpose of that, like, though we love that feature and love the way that kind of enhances Jesus' words in the New Testament, um, the challenge of it was that if you're only carrying one book at a time, it no longer really helps you as much because you can't even reference what that's speaking to. And something I'll add in just like our approach with these books uh, for me, I remember looking at Bibles. I remember going to Barnes and Noble, looking at all of the different types of Bible there were and wanting one that was personal to me that like represented my tastes uh, from a design perspective and how I wanted to read, but I didn't want a rebrand of the Bible. There's all sorts of Bibles with funny names and things that it doesn't even say like just the Bible. It's like a different version of the Bible. And it's like, I just want the text. Yeah. Like I was like, there was like the, the gospel transformation Bible. And I was like, of course it's the gospel transformation Bible. That's the only Bible there is like, let the Bible speak for itself. And that was like me just being kind of like a curmudgeon about it. But what it was is like, I can't add anything to the Bible. I can't rebrand it or do something that makes it better. So like our approach was to just put the text out there and make it easier for people to read. We didn't want to add anything to it. There's all sorts of resources out there to make it easier to understand or easier to interpret. But our mission is to make it easier to read. I, I would even take that a step further and say, in the way we don't want to add anything to it, we felt like, at least maybe this is for myself, but I'd say I feel like a more traditional binding of the Bible feels like a lot more has been added to it um, that creates the separation between the user and the book itself. Um, so what you have with ours is just the text by itself. Um, what you have with the more traditional Bible, if you, if, if, if you were to just like think about what Bibles look like in your head, you might think about something that's leather bound, gold gilded, um, with small text. And if you can think of that brand, there's a bunch of people out there who aren't believers, who aren't Christian, um, who think about that same type of like brand, um, and it feels like something that's not for them. And it feels like something 
that's for, you know, uh, a really righteous believer in church. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, and so really with, with, with manuscripts, it's, it's a little bit more true to, uh, to the original, um, kind of like format of it, these individual books that people, uh, can read for themselves and decide whether they believe it or not. And for believers, it's just another way for them to get just a text, um, and read it straight through. Um, but yeah, so that, 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 that stripping away of excess is actually, uh, what we believe will open it up for a lot more people to relate to it because, you know, thick pages and, and, and thicker font and a nice cover and rounded edges. Like these are things that exist in other books currently. So these are all the benefits of a traditional book. Um, we're just getting back to that. Um, and we kind of touched on this briefly, but um, what translation are you guys using? And why did you decide to go with that one over the thousands that are out there? Yeah, we wanted something that was familiar um, familiar to people. Um, there are some limitations on what translations like will let you publish using their translation. Uh, and then we also leaned heavily towards uh, word for word accuracy. Um, there's a few different ways of interpreting the text and stuff like that. Sometimes it's paraphrased, sometimes it's phrase by phrase. And then there's like word for word accuracy. Um, and we chose to lean more towards word for word accuracy. Again, lining up with that thought of like, we don't want to add to the Bible. We want to really present it in its purest form um, and let people study around that. Um, so, yeah, that's why we use New American Standard Bible. And we just we enjoy the translation. Um, of course, there are more readable ones, but we found that this is the perfect blend of readability and accuracy. Uh, and they were really helpful in working with us and supporting the project. You can find out more about Manuscripts books by visiting our website at creativechurch.com, that's crtvchurch.com, and by following them on Facebook at Manuscripts Books. So this week's Reply All is, what is one of the most awkward things you've done or said to someone? Um, it can be something that you're just still like, in the back of your head, it'll pop up. And you're like, ah, why did I do that or say that? So Nick, what is your answer? Oh man, you're going to put me on the spot here. Um, luckily, I wrote the script, so I know what my <laughs> answer is. <laughs> um, it's pretty easy. Whenever I was eight years old, I was a bigger fella as a kid. I was, I was husky. You know, I didn't wear normal, normal size pants. I was, I was a big guy. And, um, I once got stuck in a Walmart underneath a shopping cart. Hmm. Mm, that's that's tragic. That, that that's about how awkward well, it, it was tragic. It, it shaped me as a child. Um, <laughs> you, just, you just can't look at you a, know, at a Walmart cart the same anymore. No, I, I get embarrassed every time I think about it, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to power through and kind of give a little bit more background. You know, the part of the cart where, um, like water would go or, you know, oh, I, this is exactly what I'm pictur picturing. Casing, yes. Okay. Um, you know how children sometimes will 
get underneath that part of the cart and kind of like, you know, cause you know, parents have been in the Walmart for so long talking to everybody and their mom. Um, you know, that's what I did. I was tired. I was tired of walking. So instead of getting in the cart, like a normal human being, I went ahead and got under the cart, um, and laid there. And again, <laughs> you can imagine I'm a big guy and I'm a, I was a big guy back then. So it, I dwarfed the cart and I was stuck. My head was stuck. And, um, I don't go to this Walmart anymore because of this reason, but, uh, <laughs> the lady, when one of the managers thought we were going to have to get the jaws of life, actually, she was screaming, get the jaws of life. Cause they were going to cut, I guess they were going to cut the cart around me and my mom who, you know, I love, but she's essentially just embarrassed to no end. So she's just essentially kicking my head to, you know, just get up, Nick, you know? Stop embarrassing us in the family. So it was real, real empathetic. Your mother. <laughs> oh, my mother was no. It was, when my mom's embarrassed, she is not. No, there's no sympathy in that woman when she is embarrassed. Uh, she she just she wants she wanted the screaming and the crying because I was screaming fits of terror. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I as well, as one does in Walmart anyway. Yeah, I don't actually remember. Think thinking thinking back to it now, I actually don't remember how I got out. Um, but anyway, what, what, what's, what's one of the things you were like, what's, what's the awkward thing for you? Oh man. Um, junior high. And it was the first time I ever played spin and last time I ever played spin the bottle. And, uh, at this point in my life, I had braces and I spun the bottle and it landed on one of my crushes, which, you know, is fantastic. Um, and it was she started freaking out because I had braces and she swore up and down that my braces were going to cut her lips because it was, you know, had to kiss and talk about a slap to the self-esteem. <laughs> but it's okay because that woman's now your wife, correct? No. Oh, it didn't. Okay. Well, that sucks. All right. You ever see her and think to yourself, that's the woman who, you know, told me that my mouth would kill her. Oh, I, I have no interaction with with that uh that person i was back in high school or like i said junior high and yep it was uh that was one of those things that kind of shapes you as a young moldable seventh grader wow that's i'm sorry you know if it makes you feel any better it's probably not i'd kiss you if you had braces (laughs) does not make me feel better whatsoever okay well moving on if you want to join in on the conversation answer the question then join us on our creative talks group on facebook that's crtv talks on Facebook and it's a group and you if you're not already in the group then go ahead click add myself to group and uh, we'll we will add you and it'll be right there at the top it'll be pinned at the top and you can answer and share with us one of the most awkward things you've ever done or so said I can't to wait to see some of these answers it's gonna be fantastic and then we'll pick our favorites right next show and oh, yeah. read them so yeah so you you might get read on a podcast that's listened to by millions um potentially <laughs> On that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways for you to share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us on your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. And you can review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes uh, so we can get more exposure and people can discover this nugget of joy. Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media and you can just find us by searching our Creative Church handle. And that is one word, Creative Church, CRTV Church. I'm Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. We will see you next episode.
you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com.